1: Bring in show music, please. This
0: is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box.
1: NYC, this is CNBC Control 2.
0: CNBC's essential morning show. PCO2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. Today, a best of the year discussion with the one and only Kathy Wood, the widely followed tech investor on where she's looking for returns and what she and maybe everybody
2: might have missed this year. We think we're in a recession and we think a really big problem out there is inventories. We're talking about the best managed companies in the world. If you're talking about Walmart and Target, if they have problems, we think there are a lot more problems. Her tech
0: focused portfolio is down over 60% year to date But she's doubling down,
2: and so are Kathy Loyalists. When people invest in Arc, they know they're getting truly disruptive, transformative
0: innovation. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It is Thursday, December 29th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right after this.
1: From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive.
0: This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Today on the podcast, a special interview with Kathy Wood, the CEO and CIO of ARC Invest. Wood is a famously bold investor, popular, nearly idolized, really, by Reddit traders and retail investors for her deep belief in disruptive technologies, her ARC Innovation ETF has just shy of $7 billion under management, but it used to have over 9500000000 billion. Year-to-date, the flagship fund of Kathy Bay, or Aunt Kathy, as the Redditors affectionately named her, is down over 60%. The loss has a lot to do with who she invests in. Wood's a believer in disruptive tech, forward-looking companies working in artificial intelligence, self-driving cars, cryptocurrency, hmm, streaming, the crown jewel in her portfolio, Tesla. And we all know where that is these days, down over 64% in 2022. And as you may have noticed, Tesla's not alone. Tech this year has taken a pretty severe hit, but even with Wood's 60% loss, her ETF is among the top 3% on Wall Street, and her faithful believers are still piling in. As of November, she'd reeled in another $1.3 billion in assets, which is all the more impressive considering her clients aren't big players with huge chunks of change, she's an icon for the little guy who believes in big technology ideas. We invited Kathy Wood on air with us back at the end of June. She joined Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin when her fund was down to about half of what it was at its peak in February of 2021. Since this interview was recorded, crypto exchange FTX collapsed, of course. Cryptocurrency as an industry has stumbled. Elon Musk took over Twitter, much to the chagrin of his Tesla shareholders. And Kathy Wood's performance ticked even further down, but her clients ticked up. Here's Becky Quick starting things off with Kathy Wood before the tech catastrophe that was to come.
3: Kathy, thanks for being here. Let's talk about what you've seen, first of all, in terms of inflows. What have you seen and why do you think it's coming in?
2: Yes, I I think the inflows are happening because um, uh, our clients, we give away our research and our clients have been averaging down. And I think they've been diversifying away from broad-based benchmarks like Uh, the NASDAQ, particularly the NASDAQ 100, because if you look inside of the NASDAQ 100 and you overlay our portfolios with them, you'll see only a 25% overlap, which from our point of view means that the NASDAQ 100 is uh, focused on uh, disruptive innovation only to the tune of 25%. And then you you have uh, the rest of it that looks a lot like the S&P 500. There are stocks in there like truckers and rails and, and utilities that you won't find in our portfolio. We are dedicated completely to disruptive uh, innovation, transformational innovation, and i think the other thing is and we keep beating the drum here innovation solves problems and we have a lot of problems we had a great uh, uh rebound out of COVID; it was significant because yes innovation solved a lot of problems the genomic revolution the digitalization of everything and uh, those aren't stopping they are continuing except you know they've been accelerated and here we are with supply chain issues Russia's invasion of Ukraine, food and energy prices. Again, innovation solves problems.
3: Innovation can solve problems, but it doesn't always lead to strong market returns. And I think we've all seen that over the course of this year. ARK Innovation down by about 52%. You say you keep beating the drum, but have there been moments this year where you've lost some faith, at least in market returns for some of those stocks?
2: No, actually what we've done and continue to do since February of 21 when we peaked is we've consolidated or concentrated our portfolios towards our highest conviction names. So we've gone from about 58 names in February of 21 to about 34 right now. Uh, So what you might say is those names, which didn't score as high in our six metric scoring system, all focused on innovation, um, we've we've moved aside, at least for now, uh, and moved towards our highest conviction names. And you've mentioned some of them, Zoom, Tesla, Roku.
3: Yeah, let, let's focus on those three because I think those are the three top holdings for the ARC Innovation Fund. I mean, if you look at some of those stocks, because I've just been digging through, kind of seeing what's happened with some of them. For Zoom, it went from $75 before the pandemic up to $550 for a peak. It's come back down to $122, but it's still at 29 times earnings. If you look at Tesla... It's still at 99 times earnings at 734 dollars. If you look at Roku, it's still at 94 times earnings from uh, at 94 dollars, and. It- I just look through and think you could be 100% right about the future for all of these companies, what they are doing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we get back to those those elevated mul- multiple uh, multiples that the stock market was awarding these these companies for such a long time because there was so much excess liquidity out there. The Federal Reserve had a lot of money out there. It pushed investors into riskier assets. And now we've seen it come back down. The Federal Reserve is tightening funds. You may not see money supply like that out there again. So it may take years for some of these companies to grow into the the stock multiples that they are the stock levels that they had seen at earlier times. What, What do you think about that thesis? What makes you think we'll get back to those higher multiples?
2: Well, we don't need the higher multiples. So we have a five year investment time horizon. Just to give you a sense for our flagship portfolio. Our enterprise value, so that's both uh, equity uh, market cap and debt, enterprise market value to EBITDA, so effectively cash flow, uh, is around 69 times. So uh, I know a lot of people say profitless tech, Uh, we are not profitless uh, on balance. We make the assumption that in five years, that number will be close to the market uh, multiple on that basis, which is roughly 16 times. So in our models and we're starting to publish our models because we really want people to understand this. We just published Zoom. We published uh, Tesla. You can find them on GitHub, experiment, change the variables we think will move the needle. And you you can see how um, how your assumptions might work into our five year investment time horizon. So we assume a 20 percent annualized headwind from declining valuations. Uh, and so our return expectation, which is quite substantial right now, uh, is based uh, solely on revenue growth and rising profitability. Now, the narrative you just, um, uh, you just gave, uh, many people cite when they're talking about uh, the tech and te- telecom bubble and bust. And we've analyzed our portfolio relative to that as well, because there are memes around that. It's, it's astonishing to us that Zoom's revenue pre since the, uh, the coronavirus is up roughly sixfold, and the stock is almost down to where it was pre-COVID. Same with Teladoc, up fourfold. Uh, Tesla, up threefold, although Tesla has, now that it's in the indexes, it has held up better than the rest of our portfolios. But that narrative In 2000, if I could just say, it would suggest that by now we would be seeing negative revenue growth uh, in in our expectations for the next year and declining gross margins. We are seeing the opposite. We're seeing north of 25 percent revenue growth. If you're just using consensus estimates, it's 25. And our estimates are much higher because we're focused on exponential growth trajectories uh, being driven by powerful new technologies.
1: Kathy, one broader question and then a specific stock question. When you think, though, about the last year and you think about your approach, what is the lesson in it? Meaning, I know you have a North Star about specifically these these stocks that you're talking about, but at some level, you have to look around, and I think your investors would want you to look around and say, "Okay, I was wrong. What was I wrong about? And if I was wrong, how am I going to change my approach in the future?
2: So... uh If uh, we were wrong on one uh, one thing, and that was inflation uh, being as sustained as it has been supply chain. I can't believe it's taken more than two years and uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Of course, we couldn't have seen that. So inflation has been a bigger problem. But I think uh, that it has set us up for deflation. Uh, I've been listening to your program. I heard Ken Langone talk about being in recession now. Jeremy Siegel, same. How inevitable is that recession
3: in your view? Are we in a recession right now?
2: Never say never. I think we are in a recession
1: right now. Well, Becky, I think we're actually in a mild recession uh, because I think we're having negative GDP growth in this first half. The data I'm looking at shows that 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 slowdown is going to continue into
2: the third quarter. We think we're in a recession and we think a really big problem out there is inventories the likes of the, the increase uh, of which i've never seen this large in my career and i've been around for 45 years uh, and we're talking about the best managed companies in the world if you're talking about walmart and target they know how to manage supply chain. so if they have problems we think there are a lot more problems and then the other thing that's going on is the consumer is railing against these price increases consumer sentiment as measured by the University of Michigan, which we think is the best measure out there, uh, is down to record low levels, below 08, 09, below 80 and 81. I had just started my career and inflation and interest rates were in the double digits, 15, 20%. And consumer sentiment today is lower than it was back then. And most interestingly, in the last report, Many people think, oh, the, 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 the heavy spenders will, will uh, keep this thing going. Consumer sentiment of the, in the highest income groups is lower than in the, the lowest income groups. And those, the latter group is being you know, it, it, tormented by food and energy prices, which are really a regressive tax increase here
1: to them. Fascinating. Separately, Kathy, I wanted to ask you about Robinhood, the speculation around Robinhood and potentially FTX uh, wanting to buy Robinhood. I know Robinhood is one of uh, the top 10 holdings in your fund. Coinbase is also in your top 10. It has implications if, in fact, FTX were to buy Robinhood on potentially putting pressure on Coinbase. How do you think about the three of them together?
2: Well, okay. Robinhood is is not in our top 10. In the flagship, it's about a a little more than a 2 percent position now. Uh, Coinbase is in the top 10 uh, because we really do believe while we are in a massive slump right now, uh, we do believe that the three revolutions around crypto that we set forth in our big ideas 2022, and you can find that on our website, that they um, that they are underway. And they, and, and they will not be stopped. The money revolution, that's Bitcoin, first global, digital, private, rules-based monetary system. Uh, uh, DeFi, DeFi uh, really came of age uh, in 2021. and 21. And, uh, while the reach for yield went way too far and the leverage uh, in some uh, protocols way too far and algorithmic stablecoins coins. Uh, I, as a, an economist myself, I didn't understand them. It makes sense that they're not going to exist. Uh, but DeFi itself is has taken off, and we're impressed at how robust the ecosystem has been. A lot of people expected the Terra Luna meltdown to cause a systemic uh, chain reaction, and we're seeing a little bit of that. Uh, but so far, so far, the Ethereum uh, uh, blockchain upon which DeFi is built has held up very well. And then the third revolution, which is the most in its infancy, is probably where the token uh, revolution was in 2017, and that's NFTs. But we do believe that digital property rights, which which is what uh, NFTs represent, digital property rights are going to become incredibly important. I know, again, from my economic background, that property rights lift people and countries out of poverty. And we think that the opportunities that the uh, digital property rights will, um, uh, will, will allow creators, is uh, creators and and many others. We're going to find all kinds of utility, and we can't even think of it right now. Just like we couldn't understand quite what DeFi was going to be when tokens first came around. So we're we're, we're believers, and we think the ecosystem, if it consolidates, that's not a bad thing. Uh, we do think that digital wallets are going to be uh, one of the most important outcomes here. Uh, they effectively bank branches in our pockets. And we are trying to figure out who are, who's going to be the digital wallet. It's going to be winner, take most, or there will be two or three of them. So is it, uh, is it Cash App? So Block is in our top 10. Is it Coinbase? Coinbase is in our top 10. These are going to be huge opportunities. Again, you'll, you can find them in Big Ideas 2022. Is it going to be Robinhood FTX? We don't know. All we know is that the opportunity is huge. Kathy, when you talk about digital property
3: rights, all, it, it kind of takes me back to the potential problem for all the crypto customers in the event of a banks bankruptcy, the idea that they would lose their funds with the, that liquidation, too. I think what I was most surprised by watching all of the fallout from the Bit, Bitcoin collapse in recent weeks was just the idea of how many how many of these companies were levered up? How many of these big investors were levered up with that? Didn't that come as a surprise to you because
2: no, it didn't. It didn't come as a surprise. This uh, there's a cleansing process. We're going to see it regularly. This is very early on in these technologies. And, you know, we were looking, you can see in the traditional asset uh, management world, the reach for yield there. You know, we're wondering if you're looking at uh, spreads gapping out in the high yield market, um, you're looking at credit default swaps in in the market if you use the M-A-R-K-I-T metric. We're now above where we were in fourth quarter of 18, which was a terrible period for the stock market, moving into COVID territory. And this is true for money center banks as well. We wonder... Uh, We wondered just as much. What did the reach for yield do in the traditional markets that is now being flagged by credit default swaps? And it it could be associated with, uh, you know, the leveraged uh, uh, collateral collateralized loan obligations associated with private equity and real estate
3: risk management in general to have. Okay, you can point to it in in traditional markets, you can point to it here when you're down more than 50 percent, you have to start thinking about risk management. And and maybe you're in this for five years, maybe you're in this as a long term investor. But even so, if you invested at the pre-pandemic levels, you're still below water three years later. That that starts to get a little nerve wracking. Do you make it up in the next two years?
2: So your your uh, comment suggests that that we are a generalist portfolio manager making asset allocation decisions. The most important thing we need to do is stick to our knitting. The worst thing that could happen is style drift. When when people invest in Arc, they know they're getting truly disruptive, transformative innovation. That's what we offer. And we don't pretend to offer anything else. So when you say risk management, what we do, as I mentioned earlier, is we concentrate our portfolio towards our highest conviction names. That means we are, with the weight of evidence moving us, uh, uh, we are, uh, in some measure, from our point of view, exercising risk control. Kathy, thank you very much. Thanks, Becky. Thanks, Andrew. Always. Thank you. Bye.
0: And that is Squawk Pod for today. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And for the best of our show, plus a little extra, follow Squawk Pod wherever you listen and get this podcast every day. Thank you. We'll meet you back here tomorrow.
1: We are clear. Thanks, guys.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx,